I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about, um, you know, my question sometimes, I'm kind of diving into this, but my question sometimes when I look at our nation and I look at our state and I look at the church, and I mean, uh, you know, you have a lot of questions and, and sometimes there's just a lot of reasons why I think that we have have come to the place that we're in right now. Uh, if you don't know we're in a turbulent situation right now, um, I'm sorry that, 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 that you've been hiding out someplace and not, not, not got your ears perked a little bit to see what's going on around us. Um, uh, the things that's going on at our schools today, the things that our teachers now are going to be forced to teach, forced to teach. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're in Goreville or whether you're in Chicago, they're going to be forced to teach it. Good people with godly intentions are going to be put in positions that's going to cost them their jobs if they, if they choose not to. Good, godly boards on schools, school boards, are going to have to make decisions. And I'm not sure what it's really going to take. I don't know. I know that I've got a lot of opinions, and they're just my opinions, so they don't matter much. But I know that um, I think maybe some of our problem has been mass salvations. The Bible tells us that no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. And just to cause everybody to have, have, have 20,000 people stand up in a congregation and confess after me and pray a prayer of salvation and look at everybody and say, now you're saved. Now you're born again. What, what, what does that mean? What, 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 where, what, what are we meaning by the word Christian anymore? I'm going to talk to you about that today. Because there's going to be good people have to make decisions. They're, they're threatening now. They're going to cut off funding if a, if a school decides not to teach the curriculum they're coming in with. I remember 20 years ago, we were putting our children through private school. And I would preach private school to every pastor I could preach it to. And they're, ah, where we live, and we don't have to worry about that stuff. We got all Christian teachers. Everything's good over here where we're at. But it's coming. Don't be like David sitting out there tending sheep and getting too mundane in the job that you're doing while you're writing all your psalms and you're singing all your hymns the whole time, just beyond what you can see, there is smoke and there is fire and it's coming your way. There comes a point in time when the voice of Jesse shows up and says, hey, you got to come out of the shepherd's field and it's time to go to the battlefield. There comes that time. And to stay underneath the tree, picking at your harp, and pretending like, if I just keep doing this, it may go away. It's not going away. It is not going away. 
It might go away, subside for a little while, but take a look at our history. As it subsides, it just comes in with a heavier wave. Am I right? So is it going away? Do we have the power to change it? Absolutely. Polled Christians are over 60 million in this nation. We have the ability to determine who's going to sit in the Senate, the House, and the presidential uh, position and vice president position. We have the power. We just won't get it together. We just won't. We're so busy, so busy dividing our belief system instead of grabbing a hold of one. And I, and, I, and I look at this stuff and I say, well, it could be this and it could be that. And I think it's a conglomeration of many things that we're where we're at today. And so I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about it. Um, what I do know is this nation, and I don't care what you think, but this nation is hungry and this nation knows who to turn to. Well, pastor, they're not turning. Oh, they do when they need to, and they know where to turn. And there's no resistance to that turn in this nation. Say, wait a second, we're getting all kinds of resistance. Not when, not when the rubber meets the road. Damar Hamlin, three weeks, almost three weeks ago from tomorrow, a regular Monday night football game. Everything was just the way it was supposed to be. Some 20 plus million viewers are watching. In the first quarter, number three crosses across to a look-in pass on 85 and takes him down just like it's supposed to be. Got hit in the chest, that's no big deal. He wrapped himself around him pulled him over, and dropped him on the field, and everybody's cheering on the Bills' side. Everybody's cheering. DeMar Hamlin gets up just like nothing happened, shook it off, grabs his face mask, twitches it around a little bit, and then falls straight back over dead. Cardiac arrest. His heart has stopped. And you watch people drop to their knees as the news comes off that field. Over 20 million people viewing are now praying for DeMar Hamlin. How many in that stadium are now? And nobody's saying, you can't take a knee, you can't pray. Nobody ever said a word. Nobody has ever had any backlash on this situation where everybody seemingly knew what to do. They showed up for a football game and ended up in a prayer meeting. Don't tell me God doesn't. No, I'm not saying God did that to DeMar Hamlin, but God took the moment and turned it around, and don't tell me God doesn't know how to do it. All we have to do, why can't we give him opportunity without him having to take opportunity? 
Why do we always have to, you know, we've got our Peters. Tim Tebow is a Peter. You know, he's going to go out there and drop to his knee and he's going to put his crosses on and he's going to show the world, I'm a Christian and we're going to take out time for God. And bless his heart, fantastic. But you're not working for God right now. You're working for this NFL team. You turn around and got the same guy on the, on, the, on, the, on the field, the same type of guy on the field. He's as strong a Christian as you're going to find. If you haven't watched his, his documentary, you need to take out a moment and watch the movie. Kurt Warner, wonderful Christian man, showed his Christian life out to everyone that he came in contact with. His, his teammates knew God came first. Everyone he came in contact with knew God comes first, family comes second, NFL will come third. And that's the way he lived his life and didn't do too bad a job. Inducted into the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, won a Super Bowl. How many quarterbacks get to say that? Not a bad job. It's, it's living this thing Versus trying to be a zealot for this thing. And I think the world is sick and tired of zealots. I know I am. This thing is to be lived out. And it gets lived out by believing. And I'm going to show you what believing produces. And I don't think it produces what we have tried to get it to produce. Believing the way I was raised produced an effort that you begin to perform, and that makes you a believer. You go to church, you pay tithe, you give in the offering, you volunteer, and, and, and then you hope that they bring in some missionary. You're kind of bored with it. You'd rather hear the pastor preach because he's going to talk about stuff you don't even care about, but we can give to it, and now we're reaching you know, overseas. Now we're doing a good thing at our church. Vic comes in. He's, he's ministering into the prisons. Mike ministers to the prisons. And what you'll find out in churches, they don't care about you ministering to the prisons. They care about your couple stories. Am I right, Mike? But really, they're there for a reason. They need to pay their dues, straighten up, and act right, fly right when they get out, Period. But they can't do that without the power of God. But we have that, and so we have something else. We can say, hey, we're doing something. We're doing something. We're doing something. And doing something it does not classify you as a believer. And boy, I tell you what, I wish we could get this. And this is going to be unpopular to the church, I can tell you right now. But that's all right. I preach a lot of stuff that's unpopular to the church, so. I will still survive. I'll wake up tomorrow morning, and I'll still, I'll still be okay. All right, go to John, my favorite, favorite character in the Bible, my favorite person besides Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God. John is my favorite. David comes a strong second. Look at what John has to say. Let's go to John chapter 1. And let's go down to verse 10. 
He was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Well, who is he? He's Jesus, but who is he? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. The Bible said, and the Word became flesh, which was the person, Jesus, that we've seen walking on the planet over in Jerusalem, over in Israel. The Bible says the Word. What was the Word? The Word, the word was God. And with the word, everything God created, how did God create it? He spoke, right? He spoke. He spoke the light into existence. He spoke the world into existence. It was the breath of God that created. But it didn't really create. It just went out to produce opportunity for creation because the Bible says that after the word was spoken, that the Spirit moved upon, and what he, he moved upon that word, and then the creation took place. So the first thing you have to have before you can have a word, let's step back a minute. Before you can have a word, what do you have to have first? A thought. Right? A thought. A thought produces the Word, and the Word, if it is in conjunction with the will of God, the Spirit moves on that Word, and it becomes life. In other words, it becomes creation. It's created. The Bible called us gods, with a little g also calls us the sons of God, big G. We're the sons of God. There is the son of God, and, we, and he brought him into this earth so that, we, so that we could be, so that he could have many sons after the son of God, whoever would believe in him. We could become sons of God, okay? Sons of God, if they're sons, let's say it this way. If I have to be the bride of Christ, ladies, you have to be the son of God, all right? We'll just say it that way, all right? <laughs> it's okay? Is that fair? All right. So what he's saying when he says sons is what he's really saying is children. You are his children, okay? So what do children mimic? Who do children mimic? Their parents. Who's your parent? Spiritually. God. So who do you mimic? Who does he wish for you to mimic? Him. What did he do? He had a thought, which was a God thought. He spoke that thought. It turned into words out in the atmosphere, and they were in conjunction with his spirit. So his spirit followed after those words, and light became. And it has never stopped being, has it? We wake up every day to it, and we watch it go down every night. Amen? 
So whatever he creates, does it cease? No, it is always in operation from the day it's created. Once you were created in your mother's womb, you will exist for eternity. Your eternity began the day the sperm met the egg and it began to create. You are an eternal being. You will stay someplace. I can tell you right now, your flesh doesn't care where you go because your flesh is going to rot in the ground or blown out in dust from, a, from, a, from an urn. But, but I'm telling you, it doesn't care, so why do we follow that flesh? Why do we listen to it? It's like a really bad narcissistic friend is what it is. It wants what it wants, and it's all it wants. And you're the one that has to say no. And then it doesn't like it. And it will manipulate and try to get what it wants. It will draw up desires. It will do whatever it's got to do to get its satisfaction. And all it's ever going to do is die. And I will get a new body. You will get a new body. And it will either be flame retardant. Or it will be glorious. But there has to be a container for your spirit and your soul to live in. And you're going to get another body. It's not going to be this one. This one is to live here with the opportunity to be a son of God. A child of God. In relationship with him. That's why you're crea- That's why humanity was created. He said in his word that he was wanting relationship. He was wanting relationship with someone who had a mind of their own. Now, I don't understand that. I've parented three kids and now I'm working on a grandchild. And when they start getting a mind of their own. It, it, sometimes it's not quite as much fun as it was when you could say, just say, we're all sitting down to supper right now. We're all going to get our baths. We're all going to get in our bed clothes. We're all going to bed at 8.30. Me and mom aren't, but you are. And, and, and no, you can't go here. And yes, you can go there. And everything was wonderful. And then all of a sudden, they got old enough to have a decision. And are old enough to have a thought of their own and a direction they wanted to go. And then they got a driver's license. And if you didn't teach them between they get in their mind and then they got that driver's license, if you didn't start working with them at that point, then when they got in that car, they're going to go do what they want to do. How many of you turned 16? What was the first thing you did when you turned 16 got that car? As soon as you drove off and looked in that rearview mirror and there is the house that you live in and the rules and regulations, that are, they're now behind you. And the whole world is in front of me. Hello? And it's not so much, it's not so easy on those parents then. But God said, this is the way I want it. I want them to have their own mind and their own thought process. And then the relationship will be real because I want them and they want me. If you've ever been in a marriage, Pat and I both have been in a marriage, and we've only been married once. But we've been in a marriage that neither one wanted the other. That was not a fun marriage. 
I can tell you right now. By the grace of God, God saved that marriage. But if you've ever been in a marriage and it didn't make it because you didn't want one another anymore, there's a heartache that's no, nothing like that heartache when you fell in love with someone and they don't want you anymore. There's also great reward in loving someone who loves you back because they're where they want to be and they're happy here. God wanted that feeling. At the time before we were created, God had never had that feeling. See, we've got to understand God. God had never had that feeling. He'd never had the feeling of a created being that desired him. Wow. That wanted him just for who he was and not just for what he could do. Hmm. There's the difference between a modern-day Christian and a true believer. I want him for who he is, not for what he can do for me. See, once I become a child of God, all that he can do for me, he has already done, and I have access to all of it. All of it. No limits. When he said no limits in the word, and he did say in the New Testament, no limits. When I read that and that came to life in me, I remember my Uncle Rick, who's, who's passed now. He was stationed in Germany, and it was during, um, it was a time of, of he'd just come out of the Vietnam War, and, and he was stationed in Germany, and this was all new to us, and he sent us a care package from Germany of German chocolates of all kinds to his nephews. And so we got our care package and some toys that were homemade from Germany. And um, he bought my dad a beer stein. And I thought my dad thought he was going to go to hell for unwrapping it and owning a beer stein. But my mother made him put that on his desk. It sat up there all my life, that beer stein sat up there. And my dad was not fond of that beer stein. He just knew that God was going to get him for that beer stein at some point in time. There was going to be a problem. But anyway, Rick, Uncle Rick called, and he wanted to talk to us individually. He got me on the phone. He says, Dean, which the, the story, backstory is they owned when they lived here going through high school, they used to come get me in the Fastback Mustang. So I'm a, I've always been a Ford man from that day forward, you know. And so, um, well, you know. If it had been a Corvette, I might have been on your side, but it wasn't. It was a Mustang. <laughs> but um, he says, Dean, there is a place over here where there is no speed limit. You're kidding. He said, no, you can go as fast as you want to go. You're, you're kidding. No, there's no place like that. There's no police. Not on this road. It's called the Autobahn. 
And you can get on the Autobahn, Dean. I'm telling you, I was there the other day. Me and a buddy from the base, we got on the Autobahn, and you can go as fast as you want to go, and they don't say a word to you. And when I saw in the word that God said there was no limit, I said, man, I can go as fast as I want to go. There's no limit to me. I can have all of him I want. I can have all of the things that he, he provides for me, things that he provides for me. I can have stuff that you can't call things and you can't buy called health. I can have all the health I want. I can have all the salvation I want because salvation is sozo. That's the Greek word that Paul was using in, that, in Romans when he said you shall be saved. It was the word sozo, and sozo means to do well by or to have as much of you as you can handle or want of these things. And it was health. It was healing. It was money. It was, it was wealth. It was, it was relationship. It was all that he has available to you that he died for and gave to you in relationship with him. Everything he has is yours. Now, when I say money, people freak out. But I want you to understand that Paul teaches us throughout his word, throughout the word he wrote, and he uses words like, and the Greek word was technon. And he uses other words that depict a child, a babe. Remember, he talks about babes in Christ. They can't handle strong meat. God began to reveal to me that in this life with him, there's growth stages. Let me ask you something. How many of you got grown children? Now I'm going to ask you another question, and now here, the camera's not on you, so you can raise your hand so that they won't ever know whether you said yes or no. How many of those children are on your checkbook? <laughs> I got one. <laughs> Brave soul. Um, okay. Why aren't they on the checkbook? Now, I'm, this is a rhetorical question. Why aren't they on the, on the checkbook? Why? Well, because <laughs> you don't trust them. <laughs> Come on. You don't want them to know what you have, and you don't trust them. Honestly, that, let's just be honest here for a minute. You don't have them on your checkbook because you don't trust them. Why don't you trust them at that level? Because of relationship, right? Can I tell you why you can't get a hold of a heavenly checkbook? Write you out anything you want to write out? Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? It's not that God doesn't trust you. It's that God knows your maturity level. God's not like us. He's not a father like us. He doesn't do it on. He trusts you with his salvation, which was the most expensive thing. That was his son that he gave. He bankrupted heaven for you. He trusts you. He just knows your maturity level is not there. Hello? 
So how do we get our maturity level there? He tells us in John. You want to hear it? Watch this. Go to verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons, not the babes, not the teenagers, not the, not the, not the young adults, but sons gave them power to become the sons, even to them that believed on his name. Now, there's two words here that are in conjunction. If you want to study them out, what you're going to find out is believing is receiving. You cannot believe until you have first received. So believing is not trying to study more and work harder and blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you, um, everything I teach and everything I preach and all that I know came from me going to the bookstore because it was the only resource I had. You didn't have Google. You know, you didn't have all that that you could just, you know, you, I didn't know what to read. So I'd go to the bookstore, the Christian bookstore, and I'd pray and I'd, I, sometimes I'd fast. Sometimes I'd pray in tongues all the way to the bookstore. And the only reason I did that was not because it was a works that I was doing. I was hungry. I wanted the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me as I went into that bookstore. What should I be receiving? What should I be reading to receive from you? I was already reading the Word. I was reading the Word. I'd already read the Word more than once by that time. It wasn't that I was not reading the Word because that is how you find out if whatever you're receiving is in conjunction with what God says, His thoughts. Let's make sure whatever we're reading, we have first read the Word and we're reading it consistently and we're reading it and we're, we're on, not on our first time around, but we're heading on our second and our third time around. And I'm not talking about getting you an egg timer and, and, or an hourglass and you're reading it and just buzzing through. I'm talking about eating the Word of God, eating it, feeding on it. And I don't care how you have to do that. It might be hard for you. I know some of you probably, if you're like me, you fall asleep reading the Bible. I could read anything and not fall asleep. I open up the Bible and read and I fall asleep. Why do you think that is? There, when you pick up that book, there's an enemy that's against you. He doesn't want you to know what you're about to know about the God who has come along to send his son so that you could be saved and reunited with him in a relationship so that you could build the garden of the kingdom of God right here on the earth and, and, and kick the devil right out of the place. The squatter gets kicked off. He doesn't want that. So he wants to keep you away from the word. So I had trouble with that, so I went out and got me uh, the Bible on tape. And I read, I listened to that, listened to it, listened to it, listened to it, listened to it. Man, I, re I went through the Bible, oh my goodness, over and over and over and over again through the whole Bible. And then I got to the, I was, I was there at the bookstore and got, the lady got to know me. And she says, listen, Dean, we got a new Bible out. I said, what is it? She says, well, you get to hear the goats bleeding and the camels 
and you get to listen to the water, and you get, I mean, you can hear them walking on the sand and, and all that stuff when they're talking. I said, hey, I want that one. Well, it costs this, so I had to call Pat, you know, can I buy that? And then she, oh, she never said no, she just buy it. But it kept my attention and kept me hungry for listening, the, you, you, hearing, hearing, hearing. Produces receiving, which produces believing. And I would hear. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. Not heard once, not having heard, but hearing, which means a perpetual. And I would listen to it over and over and over and over and over. Driving in that truck, I listen to the Bible over and over and over and over and over. Feeding on that. And then I would go and I'd pray and ask God, show me where to go to, 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 to read and what to read and what book to pick up and who to listen to. And there were books I picked up, and <laughs> I learned this from Lester Summerall. Somebody gave him a book, said, you got to read this book. It's a great book. If you don't know who Lester Summerall is, you need to Google Lester Summerall. Uh, he's, he is one of the, Vic and Robin work for Lester Summerall. God put Vic and Robin in our life, and I'd already, I'd already been following Lester Summerall for years. Much of what's happening in this nation right now was prophesied over Lester Summerall by Smith Wigglesworth himself. Both hands on his shoulders, standing over there in England when, when the Germans were coming in and World War, World War II was breaking out and Lester had to leave and, and Summerall couldn't. Summerall had to leave and Wigglesworth couldn't. He said, I'll never see you again on this planet, but here's what I see and, and just begin to prophesy over Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall said, I was reading a book one time, and this guy said, well, I believe or I suppose. He said, I threw it into the trash right there. And he said, the reason I threw it in the trash, he said, I don't want to listen to anybody who supposes. Either you know it or you don't, and if you don't know it, I ain't listening to you. <laughs> See, I'm not looking for, what he's saying is I'm not looking for a, a good idea. I want whatever you got to say that came out of that book. Revelation that God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus gave you. Now give me that and I'll take it. And let me tell you something. Why is this all so important? I'll say it the way Kenneth Copeland said it. You can either grab hold of what all these years of my study has taken to get me to hear, and you can grab a hold of that too and go further than I've ever went, or you can start at the beginning and just start from fresh, and it'll take your whole life, or you can step on the back of somebody else and move up higher. Now, which do you want to do? I'd rather find somebody who is speaking the word. It is, it is true revelation, and the Holy Spirit will put that agreement in my heart, but the first thing I got to do is get in the Word first. Everybody, everybody who has any revelation of God himself will tell you the first place 
is the Word of God. And get it any way you can get it. If you've got to get it on tape, just don't miss one. Don't skip a tape. Don't, <laughs> don't lose one, all right? Because <laughs> you're going to miss out on something. what he says this goes back to when he says this he came or he said but as many as received him to them gave he power to become sons of God even to them that believed on his name now let's just go over to Romans chapter 10 real quick Romans chapter 10 for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Wait a second, what happens? We believe because we have received. We receive the word. Nobody gets saved on their own. Somebody left a Bible behind. I've heard testimony, but it was the Holy Spirit that drew them to that Bible to read and drew them to a specific place to read so that they could receive their salvation so they didn't get there alone. Most of the time, he uses you and I. Most of the time, that's the way he wants to do it. He doesn't want to have to create the opportunity. He wants us to create the opportunity. Watch what he says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What happens there? You believed because you received, and then you spoke, and when you spoke, the Holy Spirit moved, and it was created. You're not saved until you confess. Because a thought has to come and a receiving of that imagination of that thought. And then the words are spoken. And what words are spoken? Words that are in conjunction and in, in, in agreement with his word. And then when it's in agreement with his word, the Holy Spirit can move upon that word. And what is God teaching you in your first experience with him? You sat someplace, you heard about him, and you received. You didn't do any works. You didn't jump through any hoops. You didn't get a list of regulations and rules and, and conduct and, and moral, moral um, direction. But you said and you received the goodness of God, the salvation message of him, and you received it, and it caused you to believe, and believing caused you to speak, and when you spoke, the Spirit moved, and you were now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, just like light, will that ever change? Come on now. Will that ever change? You're a child of God and it will never change. You can tell I didn't learn that in the Pentecostal movement. 
It will never, ever change. But what he taught me in that and what he taught you in that is that if I can get myself in a position to receive that will cause believing, I'll fool around and speak it and God will create it with his spirit. And he can't create it without me speaking because there's an authority in heaven and there's an authority on earth and you are the authority on earth. You. So I've got to get myself in a position to hear. That's why getting prepared for church is not putting on your makeup and doing your shower. It's not picking out your clothes. That's preparing for everybody else. So you smell good and you look good for everybody else, right? That's so they, they hey, I like going to that church. Everybody looks good, you know? Who wants to go to church and everybody doesn't look good, you know? Everybody, you, you, good-looking people like to be around good-looking people. And we're good, a bunch of good, we're, you're a bunch of good-looking people. So, you know, we love being around one another, all right? But that is for us. But if I'm going to get in a position where I can speak something and the Spirit moves and touches it and it is created here on earth, I have got to get myself prepared to receive. And I can't receive worrying about my business. I can't receive worrying about what's going on with my children. I can't receive sitting here worrying about something else. I've got to train my mind to come into this place because it's the most important place. Wherever you go to church, that's the most important place if they're speaking the word. If they're building something up in you, depositing something in you to cause you to believe, receive and believe, which will cause you to speak, what are you now being? You're godlike now. Oh boy, I said it. Now you're godlike. Now you're like God. You have a God thought. All of a sudden you go home. And you're looking around and you've had some dreams. You've had some, some, some ideas of how life is supposed to be. Even if I've messed the whole thing up up to this point, the way it's supposed to be, God says is this way. And I start getting a God thought on that thing and I look at my checkbook and I look at the, at the balance of it. I look at my business. I look at my workplace. Something's holding me up. Something's stopping me from breaking through. I look at my relationships, and I look at my children, and I look at my family, and I look at all these things, and those things that are just not the way they're supposed to be. But bless God, all I've got to do is, is receive and believe about that right there. And when I believe, it produces... No, see, listen, stop. The Bible says we do not speak to believe. Actually, it says it twice in the Word. In the Old Testament and the New Testament. We do not speak to believe. But we believe, therefore we speak. We don't become mockingbirds because we heard it and it sounded good and I'm going to do that. Because that gives, Mockingbird gives the spirit nothing to move on. Did you hear me? 
even though what you're speaking may be true, even though what you're speaking may be God. But it didn't go through the process that he has set down and the order that he has set for you. Because the order he set for you is a a purpose. It's on purpose. He set it this way so that you and him are in relationship. If all I have to do is borrow some words, speak them, and the spirit moves, and I don't need a relationship with God anymore. Because that's how we humans are. Once we get what we want, we don't need to be connected any longer. If you can go to the bank and write checks and get whatever you want and a check never bounces, and you don't know where the money came from, it just keeps flowing. Keep writing them checks, baby. Keep sliding that card. There's a new car. There's a new house. There's new clothes. There's new this, new that. And I don't know where it all come from. I don't care. The bank keeps filling up the, the bank account. I'm going to keep spending it. Do you think God's going to set his kingdom up like that for you? Have you lost your mind? This isn't Christmas. This isn't Easter. This isn't your birthday. This is a relationship with him. And in that relationship, You can't even receive until it's revealed to you. You know what I'm talking about. You read the Bible or you hear something and all of a sudden it just hit, it stirs. Oh my goodness, that, I I felt God on that. I felt, well that's when you, listen to me, when that happens for you, steal your neighbor's, neighbor's pen if you have to. Take it right out of their hands. And grab a piece of paper. If you've got a steal, you've got nothing to write on but that right there. You write it on there and steal it. Take it right out of the church, all right? Because that what you just got was your revelation to produce receiving so that you could produce, because this is you and God. It's your relationship. Has nothing to do with the church. Has nothing to do with the preacher. Has nothing to do with anybody. It's you and him, and he's given you something to receive that you can believe, and it won't be long. It'll be popping out of you, and that's what you're going to say. And anybody says anything different about it, I'll punch you in the nose. I'll push you away. You're not welcome back at my home. I'm going to separate you from me because I'm going to get what God said I'm supposed to have. I'm going to live in this relationship that he said I'm supposed to have. I'm going to be a child of God. And that's just the way it's going to be. Now we're talking about believers. Now we got believers on our hands. We don't have Christians. We got believers on our hands. And that's deeper. That's better. That's good and keeps getting better. It gets, it, it, this, is, this is the stuff right here that champions are made out of. Did you hear me? This is the stuff that champions are made out of. This is the stuff that doesn't move you. Oh, I get my feelings hurt because people don't believe. People say other things. People do things. People don't believe in me from time to time. nothing less than you're going to deal with too. And that hurts my feelings. It cuts. 
It, 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 it brings rainy days and Mondays, you know, but it doesn't stop me. Do you hear me? It doesn't stop me. I'll wipe my nose and I'll dry the tears and I'll get up and I'm going to still go after this right here. I might have lost somebody for a little bit for along the way. Might have hurt my feelings. Might have crushed my heart for now. But it's all right. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep receiving. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep speaking. The Spirit's going to keep moving and I'm going to keep advancing. And before you know it, we're going to take the hill. If that ain't good today, I don't know. I don't have anything else for you if that ain't good today. You are, say it with me, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. God bless you. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for your word today. We glorify you. We praise you. We worship you. Spirit move. Spirit of God speak. Word of God speak. And Spirit of God move in Jesus' name. And Father, we go out of this building today more than conquerors. Father, ready for the battle. Father, as we begin to learn how to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.